Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. All right, guys, I'm going to make a statement and I want you to hold me to it. We will finish Titus today. It's going to happen. It's going to happen right now. Yep, Titus chapter 3, we're going to put a period on this thing, okay? Hopefully an exclamation point. We have been here, believe it or not, since August. We were supposed to be in a new uh, series in September, and here we are the end of October, and we're still here. Pastor Andrew tried to get us into a new series last week with Drip from the Lips, and I was like, mm, got to go back one more um, to finish Titus, and we're going to do it. So is everybody ready? Okay, buckle in, because we're going to move through some scriptures quickly. We've got a couple other biblical examples, some personal examples, and then we're going to be out of here. All right? So let's do this thing. Titus chapter 2, we're actually going to finish with that last verse as we roll into chapter 3. Real quick, can I just tell you this? If you're ever looking for another church, because you may not be here for your entire life, please make sure that church is saturated in the Word of God. That it's not coming based off of someone's opinions, but that it is the authority of Scripture in which we are going to live our lives, period. Okay? We are banking our lives on this thing. So we've got to have messages that come heavy laden out of Scripture. And there's going to be a lot of Scripture that we're going to come out of today. But hopefully that's going to form a mindset. And mindset creates behaviors and behaviors creates our lives. And so we really want to have the proper belief system, our minds. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so he lives. And so we want to have the right mind on this thing. So let's dive in here. Chapter 2, verse 15. It says, these then are the things that you should teach. What are the things that we should teach? You can go back and listen to two months worth of what Titus is supposed to be teaching. He then comes in with this, and he gives some authority to Titus. And he says, encourage and rebuke with all authority. And do not let anyone despise you. We roll into chapter 3. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and to authorities. To be obedient. To be ready to do whatever is good. To slander no one. To be peaceable and considerate. And always be gentle toward everyone. This is a We're launching into a message where he's going to talk about authority. How do we walk in authority? How do we live under authority? Uh, uh, What does does church leadership look like? Authority in the church. Authority in governing authorities outside. And then we're also going to apply it to our own lives and our jobs and to our homes with spouses, with if we're still students and we're we're kids, with parents. All of this stuff is, is we're gearing toward this thing as far as how do we respond to authority. We drop down now to verse 9. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, arguments, and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and they're useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. That's a pretty heavy scripture, isn't it? Thought that we were supposed to always have an insane amount of grace. He says, if they're, if they're divisive, you can warn them once. You come to them, you warn them a second time. And if they're not willing to change, we've got to move on. Verse 11, you may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They're self-condemned. As soon as I send Artemis and Tychius to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. 
because I have decided to winter there. I just got back from Florida. I understand why half of you leave in the winter because you like to winter there. Uh, it's a lot better looking at alive palm trees than dead maple trees. Uh, you guys like to winter there. Well, Paul, he liked to winter at, at a certain place. Do everything that you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and to see that they have everything that they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to do what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not to live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. And with that, we wrap Paul's letter to Titus. We're going to go back now to verse 15, verses 1 and 2 here. These then are the things that you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable, considerate, and always gentle toward everyone. Paul tells Titus, you have authority. You have authority to do something. Now let me ask our older crowd. Do you remember a day? Thanks for raising your hand, Chris. Chris identified himself. He's talking to me. All right. Do you remember a day when you were raised in the church that there was such an honor and a respect for the church and for the pastors and for overseers of spiritual lives that they had such a place in your heart that you held like high-level honor and respect for what they had to say? That some of our older crowd, yeah, you, you remember that. It's like, that's the, that's the pastor, that's the priest, that's the reverend, that's the, that's the bishop, that's the overseer. And there was a certain posture that we would have. Do you all remember, not even with the, the church, but just in America, you remember that thing that we used to have called just honor and respect in America toward other people, whether they were our age, especially to our seniors and to those that were older than us. We had such a, a posture that we would hold them in a high regard and honor. It seems like perhaps we're on a slippery slope where we're losing the respect for the church. Not, not only do I not value it enough to go and to be faithful and committed enough, but if that guy up there says something that I don't like, I'm good. I'll just bounce down to the, the street to the next one, okay? Which makes it a little tricky in a small town because we've only got a couple options, okay? But if you're in a bigger place, you're like, I'll just go down to the next one, and we, and we treat it as if it's a consumer, all right, I didn't like what they offered on the menu at that restaurant, so let's just go down to the next one. Rather than saying, man, I want to submit my life under the authority of the house because when I'm undercover, when I'm under the covering of the blessing of the Lord, I'm protected. God blesses lives that live under the authority in which he puts an anointing upon. That's a, that's a lot of what I just said there, but I, I, I really want to unpack this for you guys because we, especially when we live in a democratic republic, okay, that, that means that you have the freedom to vote. You've been raised with the mindset that if I don't like this guy, I get a vote and I'll say that you're gone and I'll vote in somebody that I like. Or if I don't like this, I have opinions. The Bible was written for a kingdom and there is a king 
And you don't have an opinion. You just bow down before the king and you say, whatever it is, king, I will do it. And so the Bible was written for us to really understand authority, to submit our lives under authority, and to give our lives to those reigning and ruling authorities over us. And when that happens, we live blessed. When we kick against the goads, the Bible calls it, or against these sharp rods, you're only hurting yourself. And so there is a blessing that comes when you can live underneath, you can live in the shadow of the cleft of the rock of the Almighty God, and He blesses and protects. And let me even just say this, whether that leader is always awesome or not, He honors your obedience more than He honors whether that leader was perfect and always nailed it. And maybe even more so, if you're willing to submit underneath a sinful and flawed person and have an amazing heart to serve them, he's like, oh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. He's tapped into something that doesn't necessarily make sense in his mind, but he's tapped into a fourth dimension. It's into the supernatural realm, and that's where I bless stuff. He starts blessing in other ways. I remember as a kid, I so looked up to my pastor, Pastor Bill Salisbury. He's pastored Heartland Ministries for 40 years. I mean, we're talking four decades giving your life to teaching the Bible, to preaching the Word of God, to helping people in their lives and their marriages and raising kids. And he's just like given his life to this thing. My parents were elders in our church, and so my dad particularly was very involved with some of the, the inner workings of, of the church. I remember as I moved it from boyhood into adolescenthood, there were some things in my heart that started to awaken, that I had never seen beauty. I never knew that there was another species, and these species, they were called females. And my heart kind of awakened, I'm like, what is that? Like, they used to have cooties, but now they're kind of cute. And, and so, and I remember the honor and the respect that I had for, for my pastor, for Pastor Bill. Man, he would preach, and he was funny and he would share personal stories i'm like oh it's so cool he raised four kids that were just alive and 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 they would serve the church and and then pastor bill would come to youth group sometimes and he would he would shoot hoops with us and he just engaged young people like this was the man and i remember there would be sometimes after he would preach and he'd have an altar call and just like i just want pastor bill would he just pray over me like i get it i get there I, oh there was just something about this guy and ever so often he'd call our house to talk to dad and during this young boyhood awakening in my heart I thought the man of God is calling our home and he's gonna talk to my dad and he probably has heard from the Lord that I looked at a girl and I'm freaking out because he, he has a direct line to, to God. And he knows, hey, your son, he, he's like living in sin. And like, he's like going to call me out. And I had such like this humbling, uh, I just honor him, whatever he says. There was a posture that I had around Pastor Bill. And I'll just tell you, I just wonder, do we still approach? And I think that that was, that was actually healthy. There was such a health that this that this man, not to put him on a pedestal that he was perfect, but I just honored him like, man, you're like Moses. You're going to speak as if God is speaking. Like I, I really approached it that way. 
And now the Apostle Paul is writing to Titus. He's like, you're leading this group of people and lead with authority. And when it's time to rebuke, you need to do it. And, and you need to do it with encouragement and yet be soft and, and love along the way. And, and this is what you need to teach and go after these things. And, and he's really encouraging this young buck in the faith to stand up and lead the house of God. I'll tell you, leading is a lot easier when the people are rallying around with hearts that are united, that are after a mission, that are coming together, rather than always just pushing back and, who are you, and who made you the king, and who made you the authority? It's just tough. Parents, are you with me? Like, it's tough to parent kids. We, we drove in our car 17 hours down to Florida, and we all were within about eight feet of each other. And we also had to come back. And so then we all drove back that way so that's like a day and a half and we're just like right there and it's so much more enjoyable when our hearts are together when we can share uh phone chargers when we can like be in this thing that we're not arguing over what movie we're gonna play like man let's just go on this thing together the goal is not which movie did we pick your favorite movie the goal is let's get to a much bigger destination let's get to the beach let's play let's have fun um, and not fight over the little things along the way there is a way that says you know what i want to be somebody that i would love to lead that's my heart. I want to be someone that I would like to lead. Am I enjoyable to lead? Or is that attitude that I'm bringing, that's just not even enjoyable to lead that. And to have a mindset, man, I want to bring that sort of a mindset to, to this. There's a high-level value, I think, that we need to start putting a little bit more into our authorities. And to have a respect for those that carry the authority of God upon their lives. Here's we see this passage of scripture. This is coming out of 1 Samuel chapter 24. This is King David. And King David is let me set the stage a little bit. There's a there's a there's another king. It's King Saul. This is before the reign of David. Now David has been anointed to become the king, but he was anointed just to sit the bench. And he had to serve underneath the active king, King Saul. And King Saul knew that David was coming, and he's coming for the throne, not because he was like trying to wipe out King Saul. He just knew that that was the next move of God. King Saul had sons. God didn't pick them. He picked a different son outside of the lineage, and he anoints him with the prophet Samuel, and Samuel puts his hands upon him. Everybody starts going nuts because King Saul, or because, because David, he wipes out Goliath, and everybody's pumped, and he's like this strapping young man. Woo! We're all fired up. And the women, they even started writing songs. They put them on iTunes. You can still find them out there. You gotta look hard. But it was like, Saul has killed his thousands. But David, and they all faint. David, he has killed his tens of thousands. Women just had a thing for savage beasts back in the day. And so David's like wiping out enemies and he's just like on the run and he's just like taking over. David at times was invited to sit at King Saul's table because he was best buddies with King Saul's son, Jonathan. At one time, Saul, he gets so fired up at David, he comes at him across the dinner table trying to kill him. He throws a spear at him at the dinner table. Anybody ever had a pot or a pan thrown at you at the dinner table? All right, now imagine it's got this pointy, you know, rock sword thing on the end of it, and it's coming for you. And that's what King Saul is doing with David. So now David's like, man, I'm out of here. I got to hit the road. So as he rolls out, there's a group of people that says, David, you're our guy. 
we're, we're rolling with you. And this mass of, of soldiers just start following David. And he's got hundreds now of people. And so he's just walking through these valleys, through these caves. He's just kind of on the run for his life. And this is where we pick up with a story in 1 Samuel chapter 24. After Saul re- returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men. You imagine if you got into a street fight and you're like, hey, I'm going to bring a couple of my buddies. And a couple of my bo- buddies is the entire town of Fairmount. That's 3,000. I'm bringing everybody with me, okay? And he brings 3,000, but they're able. They're young men, all from Israel, and they set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and King Saul went in <clears throat> to relieve himself. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's funny. Joanna likes it. She's laughing. She can't hardly. There are some moments in history that are recorded for all time. And King Saul had to go number two in the cave of En Gedi. And forever we all know about this moment of King Saul going number two. And David and his men were there, and they went to the far back of the cave. Shoo. Sounds like they were in a car for 17 hours together. The men said, this is the day that the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. And David crept up unnoticed and he cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and he went his way. Then David went out the cave and he called out to Saul, my Lord And my king, we need to pause right here. Here is King Saul in his most vulnerable state as he's sitting in this cave. And King David could have wiped him out. A guy that's trying to take your life, of course I want to preserve my own. And it it seems like the Lord has, has just turned you over into my hands. I could take you out. And David, once he, once King Saul gets out, David goes and he addresses him like this. My Lord and my King. The honor that he holds for the position. God put him in there. I don't necessarily like the man, but God put him in there. And I will honor God. Even if I don't like the man, I will honor the Lord and the position even more than the person. There's a posture that I have, and it doesn't make sense, but I trust. It's like this, it's another realm that that God works in authority different than I understand. Because I only see flesh and blood. I only see a person. I only see that they have a bad attitude. I only see that they gave somebody else the promotion and not me. I only see that they talked back. I only see all of these bummers about this leader. And God goes, I don't care. I don't care. We all got bummers. We've all got sin. We've all got stuff. But I'm asking you to tap into something that's called authority. And if you will just honor authority, then I will honor your life. And I will raise up those that will honor and live humbly underneath authority. And so David gets this. He gets this this revelation. 
And he says, okay, if that's the way that you're going to work, God, then he walks out of the cave and he says, my Lord and my king. When Saul looked behind him, David then bows down, prostrated himself, and his face to the ground. David lays flat out. This is, what, this is David's position. Is that powerful? This is David before a guy that wants to kill him. David had the chance. David had the chance to completely wipe him out, and David goes, I'm going to be completely vulnerable. And I'm going to trust, not that you're good, I'm going to trust that God's good. Because I know you want to kill me, and I'm going to be completely exposed in front of you. And I'm going to put my faith in this idea called authority. Okay, God, my Lord and my King. He lays all of his weapons down and he bows before him. Your boss, spouses, parents, whatever it is, they might be out for your throat and he honors them. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say that David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some even urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord, because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, he just continues with these words of honor. My Lord, my king, my father, look at this piece of your robe that's in my hand. I cut it off the corner of your robe, but I did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or of rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongdoings that you have done to me. But my hand, I will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evil doers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? Do you all remember whenever King David was in front of Goliath? And Goliath is like, who did you send here out? Am I a dog? That he would come at me with sticks? And David then comes back. Do you think that I'm a dog? You think you see me just like Goliath sees me? Like, what, what is everybody treating me like trash? He uses the same language. Isn't that wild? Verse 15. Um, May the Lord... Be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And then he wept aloud. Now, let's picture King Saul. Some believe was a giant himself. Potentially eight to nine feet tall. A mammoth of a man, so that he stood head and shoulders above every other man, is a mush bucket. And he crumbles under this kingdom principle called authority and honor. And he crumbles and he's weeping aloud. You are more righteous than I. You have treated me well, but I've treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good that you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him go away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way that you've treated me today. 
I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. And he's crushed and he's broken. So David gave his oath to Saul. Saul returned home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. This idea of authority is, is like, it's like hot stuff, man. It is, it is like too hot to handle sometimes. Not in like the hot and sexy way, hot to handle. Like the hot potato, like this is tough. Because you're trying to tell Westerners that you're not the number one person all the time, always. And that we need to bow and bend and that we need to yield and that we need to prefer and not have a rebellious spirit. And we need to honor with our, with our words, with our actions, with our attitudes, with our eyes, not the rolling of our eyes, with everything in us to honor authority. It's kind of like holding on to a knife. And you want to handle this thing properly. And I just don't grip it in weird, wrong places because if I do grip it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt me. If I don't handle this thing correctly this idea of honor if i i'll tell you honor is the gateway that opens up the supernatural honor is the gate that opens the supernatural blessing upon your life and if we mishandle this thing it's going to hurt us it's going to hurt those around us it's going to hurt coworkers. don't be a coworker. let's all gather around the water cooler and talk about how our boss is an idiot man what an idiot gosh this guy he what he didn't have any ability can I just tell you this? It's not about ability. It's about authority. Even if he doesn't, it may be that you're more skilled, but someone put him in, in place right there. And so I honor and I, and I prefer. And if I've got a problem, if you, look, this is a great principle right now. I'm wielding this thing like crazy, all right? <laughs> Make sure you don't mishandle that. Let's not mishandle this truth that if we, if we mishandle this thing, we could ding up all of the other people around us as well. Our kids are raised with a double middle finger to authority. We don't like police. We don't like because they did this. We don't like that guy because he did this. We don't like the president because he did all these things. We start talking about. Can I just tell you this? If you've got a problem, speak up the ladder of authority. Don't go down. And don't even go at your own level. You got a problem with your boss? Go speak to your boss. Got a problem with your spouse? Go speak to your spouse. But don't call a girls' night and get all the girls together and say, hey, let me tell you, my husband, what an idiot. Huh? You know, he's an idiot. And let's just talk about how all of his weaknesses and all the guys get together. Let's get in the man cave. Man, you all sit my wife. Man, she is, she, she is so stupid. Thank God she's pretty. But, man, she is stupid. <laughs> and we pull all these things together, and we want to talk. Like, it's just so dishonoring of how we do things. I don't care if you like the president. But here's what we like to do in America. This is what we do for entertainment in America, Saturday Night Live. We'll, we'll, we'll parade the president up there. We'll make him look like the biggest idiot, whether it's Biden, Trump, Obama, Bush. Man, they had a riot with Bush, didn't they? How he couldn't speak right, how he's just like a southern, you know, just a country bumpkin. If we've got an issue, then let's just vote differently or send a letter. Make a phone call. But we laugh. <laughs> he can't talk right. <laughs> mocking. And such mocking. And we find that so humorous. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. He's an idiot. Biden, he can't even walk upstairs. <laughs> and the memes. 
and we love it and we just send them all out and that is our leader whether you like him or not the bible's not asking you to be in agreement and to like he's asking do you understand authority are we going to a weird spot right now are you hitting unsend on all of those text messages right now oh my gosh oh shoot dang oh man crazy David, he could have sent all the memes in the world taking pictures. Look at our president taking a dump in the cave. Ha, ha, ha. Taking a selfie. He can't even hear me. How, how did he sneak up and not even be heard? That is wild. But he could, have, he could have exposed this man instead. And he tells all of his men, hey, we don't act that way. Men, dial it down. We're not going to treat our king like this. But David, he's terrible. He wants to kill you. He's a murderer. He's a savage. He goes, doesn't matter. His behavior does not determine my behavior. I rise above all of it. I'm unmoved. If he's a loser, if he's an idiot, if he hates the Lord, that, uh-uh, unmoved. I am seated in heavenly places. I've got the joy of the Lord that does not hijack my joy. I've got peace, my inner man, my inner life. I am so dialed in in a whole other place of how I think and operate. If you don't like local government, then you run. You don't like the school board? Run for school board. But don't talk about them. We can talk about ideas. Hey, I think we ought to do this idea better. Maybe we can do this a little bit better. Or how about you just run for it? Now all of the weight's on you. It just comes down to extreme ownership. I want to own my attitude. I want to own how I submit. I want to own. Let's even just take it in in a church context. If you are a children's worker, don't talk to the other children's worker volunteers that you don't like our student pastor, Scott. Just go to Scott. Talk to him. And if Scott doesn't like his head pastor, Scott shouldn't talk to all the other youth group. Hey, here's what I don't like about our pastor. Scott should come and talk to me. And if I don't like what's going on in our church, I shouldn't tell all of you, man, I really don't like the leader of our m Can you believe Dan Carey? Oh, my gosh. But I mean, seriously, can you guys seriously believe Dan Carey? <laughs> Whoo, this is for real stuff. Because you know what? We partner with those. We come into agreement with those that we don't like. I don't like him and neither do you. So let's rally around the people we don't like. And then we build this false relationship. Like we connect around critiquing others. It's false relationship. There's nothing great that you've built there. You just don't like people. And so then we rally and we make little huddles that we don't like Dan. And let's just keep the focus on Dan this morning, all right? (laughs) To properly handle this. Because if we don't, not only do we get dinged up, we're going to hurt a lot of people along the way. We need to properly handle this idea, this truth. Let me just share a couple more scriptures. Romans chapter 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except that which God has established. The authority that exists has been established by God. So consequently, whoever rebels against authority, they're rebelling against God and what he has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. We've got to keep going. We'll, we'll roll down here with a few others. Psalm 91, 2, he who dwells 
under the shadow in the secret place of the Most High. He is blessed by the Lord. We want to be underneath the shadow of the blessing of the God. We want to be submitted, number one, to the Lord. We want to be submitted to the Word of God. We want to be submitted to other leaders that God has put into place. But I'll tell you, if you don't want to live under the authority, then you're living out from under, under cover, and you're just exposed to all of the elements whenever you're not living under the cover of the blessing of the Lord. But to truly come to the Lord. If you ever sung a song this morning that said, Lord, or you read a scripture and it says, Lord, the word Lord means sovereign owner. Don't call him Lord if he's not the sovereign reigning and ruling supreme that you submit to all things that the Lord says, everything that the Bible says, he's the Lord and he owns my life and I'm a servant unto the Lord. How about this in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, why do you even call me Lord and you don't even do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me, he hears my words, he puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man who's building a house, who dug out a out. Uh, down deep and he laid the foundation and when the flood came the torrent struck the house it could not uh, shake it because it was well built but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation the moment that the torrent struck the house it collapsed and destruct completely building your life whenever we call something lord but don't live that way he goes you're going to destroy your life that way it's tough isn't it but the freedom that we seek the freedom that we're really trying to seek when we resist authority, when we rebel against authority, is the very thing that causes us to lose and we become an insubordinate. We lose the very freedom that we're seeking. Whenever a, a group of coworkers stand around, they're talking about their boss. This is why the Bible says, guard your lips and you will guard your life. If you cannot guard your lips, your life will look different. You go off on your boss enough, you're going to lose that job. Your life looks different. You go off on a spouse, welcome to a cold couch. Life looks different. You do that enough, we're going to be separated. Welcome to a different house. Welcome to a different relationship totally. Guard your lips, you can guard your life. I will not speak about God's anointed, about an authority that God has put into place. Never speak down a level, always go up a level and to speak to the person. The Bible even says it this way. If you're coming into the house of God and you have ought with one of your brothers, leave your offering at the altar and go and build back the relationship with them. Don't talk about them. Restore a relationship. Go after the heart. Go after relationship with them. Students, if you're a student here and you're on a sports team, don't talk about your coach. If you don't like your coach, go talk to your coach. But don't talk to all the other players. This just happened. I'm, I'm, I'm a tennis coach, a junior high tennis coach. Trust me, it is not based upon ability that I am the tennis coach. <laughs> it is based upon authority that the school board said, yeah, we'll take this guy. All right? That's kind of how it worked, man, wasn't it? Yeah, they're like, well, there's nobody else. So, <clears throat> And I hear kids that are talking. And so I just say, hey, what, what, what's going on? Guys, it must be so important. But you guys, will you please tell everybody else what's, what's going on? This has to be so important. Um, what, nothing. I, I wasn't saying anything. No, no, no. I, I heard you say something. Go ahead and tell us. I was singing. Oh, you were singing. Oh, great. Well, why don't you march right on up here and sing for everybody? Give us a little, let's give us a little number. What you, what you got for us? Uh, no, I don't want to sing. Um, then why are you singing if the coach is talking? Give me your eyes. Everybody dial it in here. Like, we would rather just screw around. I thought when I signed up for tennis, I was, I was showing up for comedy hour, and everybody's expected to listen to me and laugh at me and then celebrate me, especially the coach. 
But for some reason, the coach called me out. Then he goes to the back of the line, and he keeps doing it. And so then I call him out again. I said, hey. And him and another guy, they're singing. I said, hey, to the choir. Come on up here. We need, we need the choir up here. And now they're just like, oh, this is, I didn't want to do this, and this is kind of embarrassing. Hey, go ahead, man. We're all, this, is, this is the whole reason that all these other kids put their lives on pause to come out here and, uh, and not play tennis, but to listen to the choir sing. So give us a little number. Oh, no, I don't know. They go to the back of the line, and then guess who they start talking about? The coach. And the coach is an idiot. The coach is dumb. They think that we ought to actually be practicing all this sort of stuff. Get on them again. Um, I'll just tell you, there's just a lack of, re- of, of, of honor and respect. Co- kids, honor your coach. If you, if you think that he doesn't have the ability, great. Then you put in the time. You give back to the program. You give everything that you've got back to the school. And then maybe you'll be entrusted enough to have authority that, that you can pour into kids. But it's not about ability. It's about authority. Okay? You're you all with me, tracking with this. Whether it's your boss, it's a parent, it's a, it's a coach, it's something. Students, maybe there's some, there's some older students. High school, college, you're, maybe you're moving into even pursuing a, a girl. You honor her parents as the authority. As I was getting ready to, to propose to Alyssa, I called up Tim, and he was living in Kansas City. I said, Tim, there's a pretty big conversation that I would like to have with you about your daughter. And I would love to come out to Kansas City. And if you and Janet have some time, we'd love to sit and talk. He goes, Brock, if it's the conversation that I'm imagining, you don't have to fly out here. Let's just have this conversation on the phone. I said, Tim... Over the phone is how you order a pizza. It is not how you ask her father to give her hand in marriage. There's just a whole different realm of honor that we're talking about here, Tim. Is there a good time that I can fly out, I can sit with you and Janet? You better believe Tim's heart was like open wide. Who is this kid? Oh, what a honor just opens hearts. Honor does cool things. Honor does some things for you. Y'all with me? So now, how do I practically start to apply this? Okay, i got to keep my mouth shut. I want to guard my lips. I want to guard my life. When all, everybody else is getting into the conversations, nope, that's not me. Their behavior does not determine my behavior. I want to respect. I want to honor. I just got to get my mind to a different place. Are you all with me? If I've got problems with my authority, then I go to them. And if, I, and if I'm not bold enough, and I don't have the, the courage, I don't have the cu- courage <laughs> to go to them, then shut your mouth. Just do that. At least do that. Keep your mouth closed. And let's honor. Because I think that if we would honor authority, God would say, oh, I see that. I see it. And he will raise them up, just like he did with King David. Just like he did with Titus. Just like he does all throughout scripture. Honor authority. Life will go well for you. It just will. Guys, we did it. Titus is done. We did it. Thanks for going on this journey with us. We've never broke down a book of the Bible verse by verse by verse, word by word, letter by letter like we did in this book, but we did it. All right. Hey, we're going to pray. We're going to pray as we get out of here, and we're going to pray that we all would reign and rule. Hey, it's hard to be in authority if we're not willing to be under authority, and God will honor our lives that way. Would you all stand with me this morning as we close? All right. Jesus, we just honor you, Lord, as our number one authority. We want to submit our lives to God and to the word of God. We want to submit our lives to the authorities that you've put in our, in our lives. And God, we ask you that as we would honor the authorities, that you would raise us up. God, that you would seat us in places, that you would make your church, your bride, take these places of influence. 
God, that we would keep our mouths closed and we would get our hands busy in serving and honoring and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.